meeting is being recorded. Wow, great. Was that Jan? I didn't know she was in the room, but she's very officious and wants to make sure everyone knows they're being recorded so they don't have uh, they have plausibility, plausible deniability later. Oh, hi, you're here. Hi. Uh, we <laughs> are the, the Sweet Pod-tato podcast, a podcast about things that are excellent. And we're going to share those things with you and kind of discuss and debate and get to exactly how awesome these things are. Um, in just a moment, uh, I am your assistant host. My name is Rick Larson. Um, and uh, I will let my other hosts introduce themselves. Uh, not not me, uh, I'll go. Not, not it. Okay, <laughs> not it. Um, my name's Rebecca. I am a person who lives in um, in New Orleans, which is in Louisiana. Uh, I've been living here for a few years. I used to live in Phoenix with these two yahoos. Um, and I've also never <laughs> met lived in one people. big house. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I never met them. It was a huge house. It was, yeah, it was, it was very, 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 very Six million people live in that house. Um, and it's it's largely <laughs> uh, largely open roof, kind of open floor plan. A lot of saguaro cactuses. Saguaro cactuses and freeway construction signs. And creosote. Mm. Lots of creosote. Creosote is something we don't have here in New Orleans. And I um, have actually oh. always meant to ask somebody there in Phoenix to send me some because I haven't smelled it in years. So um, yeah, I think we can let's see what else that happen. That'd be great. And I, I guess I will send you guys some, um, I don't even know what we have here that you guys uh, would want. Everything uh, is a smell. The, the smell of gumbo? Crawfish? I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> envelope, a wet envelope of crawfish. You got it. Okay. Done and done. I will go. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> my name is Jose Gonzalez. I uh, was born and raised in Phoenix, which is where I am at now. And uh, although now with uh, internet stuff, I can pretty much be anywhere. That's how it works now. Um, oh, so I, I will say that I have known Rick Larson now for, geez, I want to say almost 20 years. Because it was definitely like 2004 hmm. when I first, I think 2004, or 2005, when I first met you. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's that almost 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and Rebecca, I met through Twitter, which is nuts because I don't know how we even found, I, I have no idea what the topic was that, that we found each other on Twitter yeah. and realized that we were both. In I actually think I do remember this. I remember this, I think. I I was trying to tell Rick the other day. I started to tell Rick the other day and then I got off on a tangent and we stopped discussing it. Um I think it was the day that <laughs> that Shaq went to the Five and Diner and was tweeting about it. Oh. And I <laughs> and um I think we must have found each other through his Twitter. 
Um, he he was very active like, on Twitter. He was, and he was yeah. like the one of the first he, athlete, or one of the first major athletes to really take to Twitter. Yes, yeah. And he was always like going around Phoenix, um, tweeting where he was from, like where he was, and that was a. I think that was like the most activity. Um, that a that a location in Phoenix had seen due to Shaq's tweeting up until that mm. point. Yeah. Um, and I think it was that day that you oh. and I found each other. Wow. And yeah, so. and by found each other, we were, we did not show up at Five and Diner. We were just on, no, no. on Twitter <laughs> tweeting at each other. Well, am, should is yeah. it okay to to share your username that you were using at the time? Oh yeah, that's so sweet. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> so yeah, my my Twitter handle was Jose six zero two, six zero two being the area code for Phoenix, and then <laughs> Rebecca had the wonderful handle Underwear Eyes, uh, which I, just right <laughs> off the bat was so funny to me. Um, and then I would get an extra kick out of it when it was uh, when I would. Oh uh, gosh! Now I have to spell out underwear eyes on on uh, under under we are yes yeah under yeah under we are yes Uh, and so that would always (laughs) amuse me. But we so Rebecca and I have never met in person, which is also which is wild. Yeah, yeah. Although I'm almost positive we're probably related. I think we we talked about like we. We oh. are related. We're probably cousins, like some yes. first, second, third cousins somewhere down the line. I would not be surprised if my family were to point out your family somewhere and be like, we're related to to them. I mean, I that would not surprise me at all. That would be, yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, I remember those early days and I remember the two of you working so well together on Twitter that I just assumed that like you had gone to high school together. I had this whole <laughs> life uh, imagined <laughs> for both of you. <laughs> like, uh, Never met him. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maybe. speaking, but you went to, uh, you did go to a high school, if I remember, that was on 7th Street. Oh, is that true? I did. I did. I went to I went to Xavier College Prep for my first two years of preparing for college <laughs> for um, for high school. I did. I went to Xavier. Yeah, and oh, wow. I went to Brophy College Prep, which was uh, which was like the brother sister school. The brother school. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, which is like it's like the same. Plot, uh, same lot of land but on the other side of the, so gosh we're gonna have to no. create an almanac for phoenix that people can download but yes, basically yeah. there's central <laughs> avenue central avenue runs de- up and down the middle of the city and then there's seventh street which also runs uh up and down uh north and south and then uh yeah it goes from central to seventh street uh both uh both campuses were along a canal uh mm-hmm. in any case they were both uh i yeah uh it was a uh a jesuit a catholic jesuit uh, the prep school for for boys and i went to the what were the nuns were they Domin- they, they weren't dominican they were, <laughs> they were something like that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um they were they were puerto, they were puerto rican <laughs> 
<laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I didn't. Did we establish that we went at the same time that you were at my brother's school at the same time that I was I at the, I, the maybe I was class of 96. I was class 95, so I was a year ahead of you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had um, one of my first boyfriends went to Brophy, Steve Armenta. Um, I know. St- I, I don't. I'm not like friends with him, but I remember him because uh, he was a year ahead of me. Mm-hmm. That was my first, like one of my first boyfriends. Wow. Um, he was all right. <laughs> I'll give him it's fine. I'm gonna give him a like a C plus B B minus. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's not your recommendation. Because what yeah. no, no. I, he's not. No, he's yeah. not. I went to uh public school uh known as Trevor Brown uh high school, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what he's leaving building up to there. <laughs> Uh, class of '91, so I am definitely the uh, the elder statesman of the trio. Oh, the elder. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, how Trevor you. Brown. That's how you slid into the assistant host position. Yeah, <laughs> you have yeah. seniority. It's all nepotism. It's, do you know? <laughs> um, oh yeah. Did you guys give yourselves titles too? Are you is somebody the co-host and? I, you know what? I'm going to let my title um, emerge. Okay. Oh, uh, oh, I should have done that. I went with associate, but I picked too soon. Mm. It's all right. It's, I chose too yeah, soon. The kind of thing that happens. Well, yeah. what's funny is I, I, uh, I went to public school primarily up until high school, and like I wouldn't have. Uh, I, they uh, Brophy College Prep actually uh, recruited a bunch of us from uh, junior high, Isaac Junior mm-hmm. High. Which is oh. on 35th Avenue and uh, mm-hmm. and McDowell, um, and yeah, they uh, they recruited a bunch of us. Otherwise, I would have gone to Carl Hayden because I literally lived like a two minute walk from Carl Hayden. Oh, okay. Uh, growing up, and then and although I did consider going to South Mountain because they had uh, this was the time when uh, uh, high schools had magnet programs, I- and so they had a, uh, a like a radio broadcasting and uh, a theater like a theater specialization and uh and then like you could also get your pilot's license through a, a, a program uh, so south mountain had a lot of stuff that i, mm. that I thought would be interesting to I do didn't know that yeah 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 i remember that i remember trying to get talk my parents into letting me go for the theater program and mm. it was just like well how are you gonna get there and i'm like well we'll work that out later because <laughs> it was pretty far. Was <laughs> well pretty obviously far i'll fly yes yes yeah. I'll get my pilot's license. I did right <laughs> after high school work at a restaurant and one of the other kids that worked in the kitchen was doing that, was going to the South South Mountain Magnet Program to get his pilot license. And he was like 16. Mm. And I thought that would be pretty cool to have your pilot license before you got your driver's license. Yeah. That and would then- be so cool. And then pull up uh, into your driver's exam, uh, driver's test in a plane. <laughs> Cessna, yeah. <laughs> like a Cessna. Yeah. I'm just going to taxi. I'm going to try to parallel or yeah, parallel park. And I trivia, fun trivia. I actually got my forklift certification before I had my driver's license. So. Wow. How yeah. did that happen? Just like. Uh, basically a lot of 
laziness on my part and kind of uh, unwillingness to learn driving from my parents and like my <laughs> my mother to this day does not drive a car. She she is entirely dependent on other people or public transportation. Um, nice. And I got a job where I was like putting cable on reels for the phone company. It tells you how mm -hmm. long ago this was that there was a phone company. Um, and at one point they're like, well, we also need you to drive this forklift around. So go take this class and get your forklift license. And then like six months later, I was like, well, if I can drive this. And it wasn't like a little, like the little gas powered indoor ones. It was, it was like a, a diesel, oh, like, like multi-ton gigantic forklift. It was huge. Wow. Then I was like, well, if I can do that, I can go get my driver's license. So I borrowed my brother's car <laughs> and got my driver's license at the ripe old age of 20, either 22 or 23. I think I maybe had just turned 23. That's so, I, that is funny. wild. Yeah, because, uh, well, that is wild to be, uh, you know, certified as a forklift operator uh, before you were uh, driving legally. Um, mm -hmm. I also delayed in getting my uh, my driver's license, um, because like, uh, my dad was not great at showing me how to drive. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a big factor in my, yeah, so it was just like, it was very frustrating because he, like, I was, you know, I was in, uh, in the driver's seat literally. And then, uh, he somehow expected me to know how to do everything, even though I had never driven before. <laughs> so I was like, we're going to call this whole thing off. And, uh, it, like, I didn't get my, uh, driver's license till I was 20. It also, like, I was not gonna, wow. I had, I had very little chance of, of getting a car. And I think that kind of was like mm -hmm. demotivational and like, well, I'll, I'm not going to have a car. So why do I need a driver's license? Um, and I kind of eventually, uh, <laughs> my grandmother was getting uh, rid of her car, which was a 1975 Pontiac Catalina, which was huge. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. And it, it yeah. was huge and tan. Um, yes. So it looked like a, a, a big moving uh, mud bog almost. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Some nice tan mud. And then like... Uh, yeah, I eventually, like, I don't, like, I kind of just learned how to drive by, like, just uh, winging it and, uh, and, like, going through whatever uh -huh. the, uh, whatever the, you know, uh, the rules manual, whatever, whatever the thing where they're, like, here's, here are facts about what is legal and illegal and where to stop and this <laughs> and that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I remember the first time I did my test, I barely, I barely failed uh and then uh, uh, i got like i went the next day and totally passed and uh i later met someone who worked at that particular uh dmv and they were like oh wait who did uh who did you have your first test with and i was like you know this guy robert whatever and he's like oh yeah he's a dick um wow and, yeah <laughs> and like so I, I could have not been that I did badly oh. as much as this guy was just really judging me harshly. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Nice to have the, the, the post log to that, to, to, to find out it wasn't you maybe. Yeah. Maybe it yeah. was, but also 
maybe you know yeah just, he could it was robert he could have just been grumpy because he did not eat lunch who knows mm-hmm. sure who knows yeah maybe he didn't can pontiacs who knows driving in phoenix is like like you have to drive in phoenix unfortunately i don't it just seems you just have to i feel like and it's so easy it's just all left and right turns like there's no roundabouts there's nothing very um there's nothing very complicated about driving in phoenix mm-hmm. um i feel like they should just give you your driver's license when you turn like they should just give it to you when you when yeah, you turn 16. Yeah. and then yeah you have to like lose it. it yeah Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that like would be six the only... times in the first year. Then they're like, okay, now you can't have this anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Phoenix. Yeah. Phoenix is on a grid primarily, so it's pretty easy to get around. Uh, I think there's yes. there's Grand Avenue, which is diagonal, uh, and people who even people in, who've lived in Phoenix forever uh, find Grand Avenue uh, both. Uh, confusing and daunting um what i've Very seen and, yeah. yeah because you're you're making uh instead of making a turn at a right angle yeah. you are making it at like 45 degrees you are the city's hypotenuse <laughs> yeah. everybody i know that that came from phoenix and then um went to go live someplace else um moved with this like they were lulled into this false sense of um good sense of direction like oh i'm really good with directions i just you know i'm just mm-hmm. naturally good at it and because phoenix is really easy to get a get around in but if you move to any place that's not phoenix or like not set up on a grid somehow yeah, yeah. um it's really disorienting it's really really disorienting and and yeah. Like you'll see the sun come up and you're like, oh, I, I, I'm almost positive it's not supposed to be. That's not where the sun is. Or... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. No, I, I <laughs> Galileo I, was wrong. I remember often <laughs> being particularly challenging. But one thing that, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's fine. We do have. I remember the time that I visited New Orleans, getting a cab from the airport, and. Uh, the first thing they did was get on Interstate 10. And I was like, this is the road I take to work every morning. <laughs> so I don't know if that, that is strange. That if is that strange. feels like like a little slice of home when you <laughs> you take that there. It does. And whenever I am on the 10, I'm like, I'm I'm just like the people back at home. I'm doing the thing that, that everyone back mm. at home is doing. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm driving. I'm driving uh, <laughs> on the highway slash freeway that Shaquille O'Neal once drove yeah. when he lived in Phoenix. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's it's called the uh, the the east and west, and yet it goes north and south for a weird long large chunk <laughs> of Arizona. But uh, what are you gonna do? Gotta get to Tucson somehow. What? All right, should we? start some recommendations yes yes awesome awesome um as i said at the top my recommendation this time through is a book uh i just finished it at the end of december um i finished reading it i didn't write it um it's called (laughs) in on the joke and it's by sean levy who has written several other like biographical 
entertainment, uh, like nonfiction books. This one in particular is kind of a interesting topic of like covers a lot of people. It's about kind of the first generation of women comedians when like the term stand-up comedian came about in the 50s. Um, there were literally like a handful of, of women doing it. So he talks about uh, Moms Mabley has a great chapter. He talks about, um, oh, wow. yeah, he talks about uh, Jean Carroll, who I was really not familiar with before the book. Um, I used to have a couple of thrift store found uh, record albums by Rusty Warren, who was mm. uh, like a like a um, kind of a body uh, singer. She had a lot of like naughty songs, um, and I found out <laughs> too that was something that surprised me was that her audience was largely women. Like it was kind of a like. Huh. stereotypical like repressed 50s housewife thing to like woohoo we can we also can talk about sex um uh <laughs> Joan Rivers is kind of the climactic end of the, oh Phyllis Diller had an amazing story too I, uh, I knew literally okay. nothing about Phyllis Diller before this book other than like she was on the Hollywood Squares a lot when I was like eight years old <laughs> um, <laughs> And my favorite, favorite fact of the entire book is um, that Joan Rivers, when she first started out, um, got a manager early on who kind of coached her into having a stage name. And so her first stage name was Pepper January. <laughs> so she would call it Pepper January Comedy with Spice. That's funny because I'm celebrating Pepper January, <laughs> where yes. I put pepper, pepper on all my meals, whether it needs it or not. Yes, I think that's I think that's a good idea. Yeah, Get some on some uh, bowl of ice cream, have some have some pepper. So yeah, there was. Um, oh shoot, I had it in front of me a minute ago. I had the cover book cover, but not the title, and I'm drawing a blank on one of the names, uh, but who uh, who called herself the last of the red hot mamas <laughs> well that's cool. I, there's there's um i'd never heard of what was the second comedian that you that uh, named? Ooh, that's a great question uh was it jean carroll yeah no. i've never heard of jean carroll yeah i was I, she was that, a performer she was she did a lot of um she was a little more uh, kind of middle class than some of the other ones. Um, okay. Like some of them were very kind of very blue and very, very working class. Mm -hmm. But uh, Jean Carroll was a little, a little more, uh, but it's still a lot of like, my husband is such a dum-dum kind of jokes. <laughs> um, which, which are still pretty much on, on target. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an evergreen Comedy <laughs> yeah and she uh she married uh somebody who had he had started as a dancer but he never really like became a a big name like she did so he went and became an agent and then he was like one of the most powerful agents so 
So she, uh, yeah, she was kind of connected, well connected, but she just decided one day, like, yeah, I'm gonna just kind of stay home and play golf. And uh, Belle Barth that was rules. the was the last of the Red Hot Mamas. Mm. Belle Barth. That's another one I've never heard of. I thought I thought that I knew about like the history of, of comedy and especially um, stand-up comics. I've never heard of these women. I'm picturing, I'm picturing like a, like a Mrs. Maisel type person. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's about the, about the era. I would say that's probably, um, it covers like from the forties to like the late sixties, although the Joan Rivers story goes, he goes all the way till, till, uh, till the 20, 2010s to finish her out. But um yeah it, it yeah i think that's a probably i i am behind on that show so i want i wonder how much of that i'll be like oh that's that's like uh like so and so yeah <laughs> i i had heard of mom's mabley but she she doesn't have a lot like recorded um but there's a fair yeah. amount but i had her mixed up a lot with um do you guys remember the show Sanford and Son? Oh, yeah. Yes. And on Esther. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she, yes. that actress got that job for, and I should have, know her name backwards and forwards, but she got that because she was a stand-up uh, that worked a lot with Red Fox before, like in the sixties, early sixties. And she was mm-hmm. most famous. I found this ironic because her, her character is very uptight and and uh, and churchy, but uh, her actual like live stand-up persona was raunchier than Red Fox, which was famously <laughs> famously, famously very raunchy. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, wild. I, that's why yeah. I have to think about. It. I can't imagine somebody working more blue than than Red Fox. Yeah, I was familiar. Um, I knew about Moms Mabley because I think a um, I like I used to. Uh, I mean, I still like going to record stores and and going mm-hmm. through actual vinyl record albums and whatnot. And uh, and so like I know that they were uh, within like uh, the black comedy scene. They were called party records. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would put on like a Red Fox or Mobs, uh, Mobs Mabley, um, uh, what you call it, album, and like listen to it at parties because it was like that. Here's a hilarious comedian that uh, recorded mm-hmm. this funny album. Um, so I think it's, you uh, do that at more parties. Yeah, <laughs> just like whatever's whatever's <laughs> yeah. happening at a party, just like bring it to a standstill by by. Uh, bringing a turntable and, and putting on a vinyl record you guys you guys be quiet be quiet okay, okay listen okay. listen to this joke okay. yeah. <laughs> i fell for it i thought that was really happening right now you're, okay. you're gonna, <laughs> a funny sound happening um no a couple years ago i found uh emo phillips first album on cassette for like four dollars and i and i had owned it as a as a kid as a teen and i was like i want to buy this take it home and then invite everybody over and have a listening party to this cassette um, That's so know, cute. maybe it'll still happen <laughs> <just> to say. <laughs> no. 
That uh, sounds like a joke that Ema Phillips would write for himself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's funny about Mom's Mabley, other than her material, famously raunchier than, than Red Fox, uh, is like she's she totally looks like a uh, like a Hollywood actress. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as she got older, she like became more of like a quirky like uh, a quirky uh, older woman character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of that was um a lot of that was like she started doing that before she really was that age and then she just lasted long enough that she would sometimes <laughs> take her her dentures out at, for for a joke. Um and yeah, actually with Lawanda Page, I looked her up. That was uh she was the one who was super raunchy. Mom's Mabley was sometimes dirty, but um probably tame by by today's by today's standards. But yes. yeah, I, they do kind of favor each other. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at them up. Yeah. 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 They look like. Uh, so having read that book, what what is your takeaway? What was your main takeaway from that book? So one of the interesting things, and I, I do wonder how differently some of the some of the takes on it would be. It's very it is very um it is very uh, like a very positive portrayal, and I I really like all the research that went into it, and it reads very accurately to me. But I do wonder because um, it was written by a man if it would be slightly different if it, if it were written by a woman. But one of the one of the points that he makes for everybody in this like early generation or second two first two generations was they all kind of gave up some form of like what was popularly considered femininity at the time. So like mom's Mabley, you know, in her late thirties, early forties was pretending to be like this like uh, old elderly grandmother figure. And uh, Phyllis Diller was kind of like fright wigs and, and, and kind of a screechy voice. And even even Joan Rivers like played up her her own neuroses and and kind of uh, down it it was and I don't know if this I don't think this is still as much of a thing but maybe it is to some extent where like the comedy club audiences were resistant to people who were too conventionally attractive if that makes sense yeah so they all kind of that's interesting kind of played up that that side because i feel like now it's almost the opposite that mm. if you are a female and you want to um you want to be in comedy um your chances of success are obviously they skyrocket if you're the more attractive you are. do you have a recommendation or say so i do um you know it's funny because i just realized the the subtitle of this podcast is like uh things that are excellent correct mm -hmm. something like yeah. that and uh you know what i i was a big fan of the hbo show winning time uh okay. which despite being a, a huge phoenix suns fan Mm -hmm. uh, I did enjoy it because it is like uh, if you're a Phoenix Suns fan, you like are supposed to hate the Lakers. Um, Fair because they they are 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 moneyed rivals. Um, but uh, I really enjoyed the 
uh, Winning Time, the the TV series uh, on HBO, because it was it was about. Uh, it's a sequel to Adventure Time, right? It's a, yes, it's a sequel to Adventure Time. <laughs> uh, all of your favorite characters return, but now they're basketball players. Yeah. Uh, well, so Winning Time is actually a, a you know television adaptation of uh, this book called Showtime. Uh, and I looked it up just to remind myself. Showtime, Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers dynasty of the 1980s by Jeff Perlman. Oh. And um, so I was listening. I recently listened to that audiobook because I had, I enjoyed uh, Winning Time. And I, um, you know, it's like as you adapt things, as you adapt, uh, you know, a, a book to another form, whether a movie or television show, there are just, you know, things that get... Uh, they get tweaked and optimized for being in a visual medium, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, the book was good. Uh, I don't know if it was excellent. It was pretty good. Um, but uh, I, it took me, I don't know, it took me like five or six, uh, actually four or five episodes into the HBO show Winning Time to realize that because I was like, why didn't they just call it Showtime? Why did they change the name to Winning Time? Oh, and then, and then Nina, because Nina is smart, both smarter than me, and she, in general, she's kind of a genius. Um, but she was just like, well, that's because there's another network called Showtime, yeah. and having having a TV show called Showtime on HBO, a was probably like no, we're not going to do that with our branding. And also maybe even confusing for some people. <laughs> like I'm going to watch Showtime on HBO. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, it, uh, so I was very not smart about why the name had changed. Um, but it was really interesting to, to see, uh, you know, what got tweaked. Uh, the TV show basically, uh, they both basically start in the same place with uh, Magic Johnson getting drafted. Uh, and the Lakers, um, uh, Lakers being sold to Jerry Buss, who was a character uh, who's kind of a womanizer and uh, just a, a, a like a happy-go-lucky kind of character, um, who like barely uh, who had who had uh, was barely kind of scrapped together uh, the funds to uh, to purchase the the Lakers, and there was like uh, you know. A, his uh, his tenure, uh, which I, I I believe Jerry Buss is no longer alive. I only talk about people who are no longer alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, when he was on Uncle Buck that one time too. So. <laughs> yes, he he was the, <laughs> the the kid who said you suck you suck was telling him. Um, in any case, uh, yeah, and but like the TV show basically covers uh, the first season uh, that Magic is in. Uh, is is on the Lakers and him, uh, you know, uh, making his way in the world today, uh, which took everything he got. Um, Did he and come he, from the the family that invented public transportation? <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> that, that's that's the one. Um, and uh, yeah, it covered because, like, uh, you know, he was the hot young rookie sensation. And uh, in the Lakers, you know, just like anything, uh, there was kind of a hierarchy that he had to kind of navigate and uh, and took time and trust. And then they also uh, go into like how, uh, 
the you know because laker showtime basketball showtime being like uh, showtime basketball flashy fast this and that and a lot of people associate that with the coach pat riley but it was actually uh the idea was uh put into action by their uh the coach uh coach before that by the name of jack mckinney who unfortunately um was also on uncle buck was he was an uncle buck well yeah, sad, he sad, <laughs> sadly i mean was, insofar as the curse yeah, yeah yeah i mean he there was the the curse because he sadly was in a, a bicycle accident and uh and oh yeah and uh had uh some a terrible head injury that basically uh affected him for the rest of his life and oh, no. uh kind of affected his ability to be a a basketball coach messed with his memory uh, and, and really bad. Um, so that was a bummer. Um, and then he gets replaced by Paul Westfall, who is also a, uh, he was a coach at one point uh, in the late eighties or early nineties for the, for the yeah. Phoenix Suns, but he was, uh, yeah, there, it, I don't know. It's an interesting book. I think if you like basketball, you'll enjoy it. Even if you dislike the Lakers. Do you think yeah. somebody who would enjoy it who disliked basketball but liked the Lakers because <laughs> they a good were question. fans of lakes? <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> uh, I I don't know about the book. I think the HBO show is <laughs> entertaining enough. Uh, it was okay. also uh, the HBO show Winning Time was produced by uh, Adam McKay. So it has like a touch of of like Adam McKay style to it okay. uh, oh also jerry bus is played by john c Riley, who is amazing i mean he's already yeah, amazing yeah. anyway i was but... i was gonna ask yeah. if it was like documentary or if it was like recreations no it was recreations and with uh with a lot of liberties taken uh but i think the like some people like there's even like breaking of the fourth wall where jerry bus is like talking to the viewer um and like i i remember reading uh, reviews at the time when it was when it was out and some people didn't like it i thought it fit like there's a certain cheekiness a cheekiness to um to the series so i thought it fit really well um yeah you know to have <laughs> to have this coach kind of take a uh have asides with the audience um and like john c Riley was amazing in it uh adrian brody uh portrayed uh pat Riley. And okay. he was uh, he was really good in it. Um, the the mm-hmm. dude oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that they uh, cast as Magic Johnson is uh, really awesome as uh, as that yeah. as, as Magic Johnson. Um, but basically, they yeah. were like Quincy, was coming, Quincy Isaiah. Quincy Isaiah, yeah, he's he was incredible oh, yeah. as Magic Johnson. Um, he uh, like apparently it was coming down to the wire for their casting, and apparently this. Uh, this dude came in to the audition and they were like uh, his smile is like totally a magic johnston smile and at first uh, yeah when i first saw him i was like i don't know if he he looks much like magic johnson but he smiles and it's like holy cow he like turns up the magic johnson charisma uh and he so it was a lot of fun like it was his first major role uh which is like that's that's kind of amazing Yeah. yeah it's amazing to get your your first major role is like an hbo series and uh and so i know that there is going to be a second season at some point um but i so i i i would recommend i think 
winning time the hbo show is probably uh fun and interesting enough um and it's also kind of like a time capsule of the uh of the of that you know uh late oh, 70s yeah. going to 80s uh especially with uh the kind of like uh the dynamics between men and women in the yeah. workplace uh because you you have uh some of the women who are involved with the Lakers organizations who just totally do not get the respect that they're due for the job that they're doing yeah. and and keeping things going so and then you have like someone like Jerry Buss who's like um just a uh, womanizer and uh and just like dating women who are not much older than his own teenage daughter that kind of thing yeah Yeah, it was uh and and like he was definitely trying to turn uh the lakers into like uh you know the 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 playboy brand of basketball oh yeah um yeah yeah, fun exciting flashy yeah and so i understand and for the show they change the sport to quidditch is that right yes everybody's playing quidditch in the (laughs) in the 80s um and so yeah a lot of the references when they talk about harry potter and nobody in the show knows who that is (laughs) uh it just you know their visionary coach who was so visionary he could see into the future yeah yeah (laughs) he had that magic that magic sink and magic johnson of course yes yeah magic yeah magic Magic johnson Johnson. canonically a wizard (laughs) oh man so that is uh, i have the second recommendation yeah really good okay nice i didn't read the book but i saw that i saw the show and it was it was excellent and jose you did a great job of yeah Yeah. um that was great having that Oh, so, I, recommendation I liked the little watch the show with the book open in your lap yeah and oh sorry you liked Definitely. The... <laughs> um no the, um oh i really liked what jose said about about it being kind of a time capsule like almost like mm-hmm. a period piece like, uh, the laker girls um mm-hmm. we see a character who she's like the 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 choreographer for the laker girls and then it turns out that it's like paula abdul mm-hmm. and that was really exciting and then like there's um i think at one point we see jack nicholson but it's not it was it wasn't played by jack nicholson but it was like the the, the person who um yeah just that, you know, these little nods to like um to to jack nicholson like always getting getting floor seats it was just a, a really great show i I'm I'm curious if I'd like the book as as much, but um, the show is really good. I agree. Yeah, you know, I the book is I think unless you like basketball, you you probably the book is a little bit dry, Um, because I do think that you know with with the with Winning Time the the show, like you get to see you know they portray the basketball players in action and this and that so you have a you do have a sense of like of like who these players are um and like i don't know i i think if i weren't familiar with a lot of the players that were mentioned in showtime the book i don't know that i would have like i think it would have just been a lot of uh you know babbling it it would have come off to me as excuse me just name dropping yeah name dropping and like um because i do i do remember uh noting that like there is a 
chunk of there's a chunk of the book like somewhere in the middle of the book it kind of I don't remember too much of it and I think it's because uh it went past the first few years oh the the book also does jump around a little bit but Mm. somewhere like the middle of the book I think got uh, I don't know I kind of uh I was not paying attention to it as as much as the other on it yeah it starts strong it ends strong uh, in my opinion, the middle of it uh, was just okay. So, uh, so yeah, I think you know if uh, if some my recommendation would go like like this: watch the HBO show Winning Time. Okay. If it is interesting enough to you uh, that you want to get even more details on the some of the dynamics behind the scenes that you've seen, then uh, then Showtime is probably worth checking out. Okay. Um, but yeah. And then watch Adventure Time. And then watch Adventure Time and, <laughs> and uh, compare the two and uh, give me a five-page uh, essay on uh, on the uh, compare and contrast essay on that. Yeah, I was just going to say, if the book is recommended, if you have a book report due. <laughs> yeah, you could probably pull enough details from this recording that uh, if you... If you yes. Have a book report due. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it on Showtime, the book, mm-hmm. and uh, and it would be uh, yeah. That's you good. could you could totally just not read the book. And then the teacher's gonna hand it back and be like, "I don't remember Shaq dating so much." <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so speaking of having a book report due, uh, Rebecca, do you have a recommendation for us? I do have a recommendation. Yeah. I actually originally I was going to talk about candy because that was on on mm-hmm. on the docket. On yeah. Um, but then I I found out that you two were talking about books, so I was like, well, I I I've also read a book in my day. Yeah. Um, I will also come to the table with a book. Um, but my book isn't I, like both of you had really fun books. Um, that mm-hmm. were that were fun and interesting and entertaining. Um, my book, um. I wouldn't say it's fun. It was really interesting, really well written. It's an older book. It's it won the National Book Award in I think 2015. I want to okay. say it's a book by Susan Choi, and it's called Trust Exercise. Oh. And it it takes place um, in a high school in the 80s in like a nondescript like sprawling city it kind of made me think of phoenix a lot um okay. but apparently the the writer went to a performing arts high school in houston so i think that's where it was supposed to take place but i i really pictured phoenix mm-hmm. um yeah. while i was reading it houston is the and phoenix it starts in the eighties. <laughs> is it i i would have I, guessed I, Wouldn't it be it, Dallas? It is now. <laughs> you think Dallas <laughs> is the Phoenix of Texas? Okay, yeah, we can we can get a poll. I feel like, or maybe because I actually because I like Houston as a Suns mm-hmm. fan. Speaking of basketball, as a Suns fan of all the Texas teams, the Houston Rockets are the ones I hate the least. And so, like, I've always <laughs> had an affinity for Houston. <laughs> I've always thought, like, if I had to live in Texas, I would choose Houston because I don't hate them that much. Yeah, I think um, that should yeah. be on their flag. Um, <laughs> Less hateable Texas. And really only because James Harden and James Harden went to ASU. Oh, <laughs> and great. I feel okay. like that, 
but we get to we get to share him sort of a, a bit. Um. So yeah, it starts anyway, in the eighties. Uh, okay. Oh, so it starts in the eighties, and then it's hard to really tell where it um where it ends. I want to say like contemporary times, um modern modern day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trust exercise is split into three different parts, um, and it is about this performing arts school specifically the drama department um sophomore year of um of this particular class and it's i guess its major themes would be like mm, consent and maybe like abuses of sexual power well maybe not necessarily abuses of sexual um power but there's a lot of there's a lot of like vague um kind of complicated issues surrounding power these dynamic. kids and then mm-hmm. yes thinking power dynamic um so like the first story takes place between two kids same age same class in high school um but they have this teacher this um drama teacher who's very charismatic i feel like every mm-hmm. every person has had a teacher like this is probably an english teacher or maybe a drama teacher or something, um, just really charismatic and had maybe a little bit too friendly of um, yeah, yeah. with the students, just a little bit, and like never really, never really crossed the line. But like, mm-hmm. was the line was really fuzzy though too, you yeah. know, w- between the teacher and the student. Um, and so each each part of the book is a trust exercise in and of itself you know um so you you guys are both performers i'm not a performer Mm. myself but i've seen and like i've watched fame i know how it goes okay (laughs) i'm not not dumb (laughs) this is not my first rodeo it's like my third or fourth rodeo um the trust exercises that that um like maybe at a corporate event or like drama students do um the the writer will like will will describe a, a trust exercise between like a scene between two people mm-hmm. and each each part of the novel is supposed to be a trust exercise between you and it turns out the author oh, um so like like i said the first part yeah the, it's really really interesting the first part like the first 133 pages um, I was reading this and I was like, I don't, I don't understand why this won the, the book award, like the, the national mm-hmm. book award. It's not well-written. <laughs> it's not, oh. it's not um, clever. And then I get to page 133 or I finish 100 pages, 133 and I read hundred page 134 and I'm like, whoa, that, oh. that was amazing. That was a really cool little trick. I don't know how the writer managed to pull that off, but that was really interesting. And so then you continue reading, thinking that you know where you are in like space mm-hmm. and time. And you get to like the last 12 pages and the last 12 pages are more like a like a coda of the story. Oh. And it just, it feels like a book that like maybe Christopher Nolan wrote or like, Okay. Um, maybe the author was thinking of the usual suspects or something when, mm-hmm. when she was writing it. 
but there's a lot of like um not mistaken identity but like kind of Mm. a camouflage of the characters and like who the characters are yeah i guess mislead yeah actually yes that's a great way to say it mislead very misleading um very vague and um really compelling it felt like i was reading um like as soon as i finished it i immediately went to the first page and like tried to go through it really fast to find out like um, oh yeah should i have figured this where out the different- yeah yes exactly yeah, right, exactly right. and luckily the copy that i had was um was from the library where i work i work at the Tulane library and um whoever had the book before i did um thoughtfully <laughs> um went through with pencil at some point and like <laughs> underlined a bunch of stuff that when I was going through it the first time I was like I I could not figure out what oh, the what the nice. method uh, <laughs> was I was like what a random thing to to put in brackets what a strange thing to to underline here and then when I went through the second time I was like oh I see I see they were pointing towards all these things I should have been picking up on and I, I was too dull to see it oh, but amazing. Um, yeah. it's really good really good that's great it's excellent it's a really quick read it took me like two days to read it if that it's fantastic um i can't say that it was super funny like um like your book rick Mm -hmm. um nor was it highly entertaining but it was um it was very satisfying it's probably the best book that i've read in like five years i want to say really good yeah i yeah i i was the only thing I could take out of that to goof on is the the National Book Award <laughs> sounds like an excuse for like coming home too late. Like, where were you, <laughs> child? I was at the National Book Award. <laughs> like it, it sounds very uh, very made up. But I know that it is a very prestigious award, and I would be honored. Uh, just to be nominated so yeah no <laughs> congratulations rick that was yeah uh, thank you thank you <laughs> <laughs> the way you get nominated for a national book award is you just declare it and yes. <laughs> declare that you are nominated <laughs> really who's gonna fact check you on that who's gonna that's, be like that's oh a good, yeah that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah so if i were on tinder I... in 2023 i would but that I'm a National Book Award nominee. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I like it. Five-time book award. Like What's even funny, like, I think the, the, the same award or, like, the equivalent award in the UK is called the Booker Award. Okay. Oh, okay. That might be wrong. I heard of that one, yeah, or, like, the Booker Prize. Yeah, it, also, it also sounds... Booker Prize, thank you. Booker yeah. Prize. Um. Yes, that also sounds equally made up. Yeah, well, that's what they—that's what they call librarians in the UK. Is Booker? <laughs> Booker. That's, really, that's also really confusing because that's also what they call uh, the people who uh, who organize betting on sports. Yes, yes, and it's uh, yeah, it's also uh, uh, George Clooney's character when he was on Roseanne. <laughs> I'm gonna be so mad when I find out that was not George Clooney, but a different actor. Who was that? I don't know. He dated. No, I feel like that wasn't that the guy from Twenty One Jump Street. The oh. not 
not Johnny Depp, but the um is it Peter DeLuise? The other guy. <laughs> no, um, oh, I wish Richard Grieco. Richard Grieco. But I thought Grieco. Richard Grieco I... wasn't he Booker? I think you're right. I think you are right. Yeah, I. I thought George Clooney was on that, but maybe he was somebody else. I'm gonna look it I, up. You guys I'd be willing for to, a minute. I'd be me. willing to that. That um, okay. So Richard Grieco was on a spinoff called Booker. Yes, that was oh. a 21. Jump oh, so yes. So he was also named Booker, but it was a different Booker. Mm-hmm. Yes, and George Clooney on Roseanne was what was his character? Um, I guess yeah. You should vamp while I look for this. Okay. Um, um, yeah, I'm also looking. I oh, you're right. I do recall. What's that? I I do recall like Laurie Metcalf going like Booker, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> complaining about. Booker's behavior. Booker. Uh, Martin Mull played two different characters. He played Leon Carp and Thurston Howell the Third, which I don't. When was he Thurston Howell the Third? Was that after they won the lottery? I stopped watching I, it. I bet. I yeah, I I stopped watching it uh, about then too. George Clooney was Booker Brooks in eleven episodes. Also Booker Booker Brooks. Yeah. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I just found that too. Wow, two bookers. British librarians. So I think what we'll do is we'll just go around and everybody will bring a recommendation of an item, a concept, an experience. Uh, It doesn't have to be something that you can purchase in a store, but it it perfectly well can be. Um, I don't know if I if I ever told you guys this. I I got that name. I was at um, where? Oh no, I've never that heard that. Fair trade. I was at um fair trade on um what hmm. is that on Central? It's like yeah, the, from the light rail. And this little uh, this mom and her two kids come in, and it's a little boy and a little girl, and. And um, the brother and sister, obviously, and they're fighting with one another, but like play fighting with one another and they're calling each other names. And um, and they're like trying to think of things to call each other that their mom isn't gonna, oh, gonna right, get right. mad about, right? <laughs> so it's it's like, for TV, but so still it was like, <laughs> Right. So it was like, so he like couldn't say butt head. So he called his little sister underwear eyes. And they just both erupted giggling. And, and I started giggling. And I was like, that's such a great thing to call your little sister. It was just really funny. And so I took it right there. Yeah, yeah that's was, great. Um, yeah. It was an older brother's um, job. Yeah. So, Jose, I think you were going to recommend the concept of matrimony, right? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, (laughs) if you find the right person uh, or persons, Uh because, you know, we're in this new age where there are uh, non-monogamous people. That's uh, that's cool as well. Um, What 
what's funny though is like uh you mentioned like trying to find alternatives to like uh naughty things to call each other uh in a <laughs> in a derisive way uh like so <laughs> I, I do you remember when so uncle buck was a movie starring john candy as yes. uncle buck um and it's then there was a there was a tv show uh that uh they replaced uh they replaced uh john candy with this comedian kevin meany who i think is no longer alive that is um true. And it has nothing to like. It's, there's no curse on Uncle Buck. <laughs> it's not like an Uncle Buck curse. <laughs> but apparently, in the pilot episode, uh, there was uh, there's a kid who either tells like another kid or maybe Uncle Buck and says like "You suck." And apparently, that was a huge deal. Um, yeah. And like people were calling for Uncle Buck to be canceled, and it was like a you know this was like people were very this was like not that uh that was in the same era of like the simpsons and uh you know uh, george george hw bush yeah george hw bush being like you know there's uh, family should be more like the waltons and not the simpsons Mm, um and so (laughs) like i it was a it was a huge deal that like uncle buck had like crossed this red line on what was acceptable to to portray um and now like that now like uh, you know you have a a pilot episode of a tv show and the baby says you suck and like it's just it it doesn't matter the i remember from that era i don't remember who it was some old man in the senate tried to call out uh beavis and butthead for being terrible and he called it buff coat and beaver <laughs> i have not been able to forget that to this day like there's permanently etched in my brain buff coat and beaver um oh that's really that's, cute. that's incredible yeah Leave it to white guys in this old white guys from the in the Senate, just like mm-hmm. serving it up to, yep, to yeah. teenagers, you know. Just like, here you go. Take that, children. <laughs> also, man, <laughs> buff buff coat and beaver is kind of a better name for those characters. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Those would be, yeah, those would be better names. Thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of the Sweet Potato Podcast. Our theme music is by Bradford at Copper Boogie Music. Please like, subscribe, tell all your friends about us, and rate us five stars. Thank you and good night.